Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Fulhamish Extra. 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 Your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Jack Collins, and with Sammy visiting Brian Ruiz in Costa Rica, I'm here in the hot seat to take you through this week's preview of Southampton. I'm delighted to be joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Don Betts. Hello, hello. And our resident radio head, Guy Barlow. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Guy. That's very pleasant. That's about as nice an introduction as I've had in ages. <laughs> and we're going to be talking all things Saints. Before Sammy left, he had a discussion with Freddie from the Ugly Inside to get a view from the opposition camp. And Dom conducted an interview with Mark Schwarzer after he said on BT Sport that Slav should be sacked after the Liverpool game. He turned out to be right. Lads, we face a relegation six-pointer. We've got a new manager. There's plenty to talk about. Dom, what are your overarching feelings before this game? Apart from that, you don't care because it's club football. <laughs> I just don't. I have, it's been such a high this international break, and now I'm sort of just going back to realization. But obviously, it was a big game whether Slav got a sack or not. So I don't think the appointment has changed the importance of the game. It just means maybe fans are more positive. And I mean, we've had two relegation six-pointers so far, both away from home. We've lost both games, so. We want to be going into this fully confident and I think Fulham fans would like to put sort of the last stab in Mark Hughes' Southampton career. But it's, yes, yeah, a huge game and, you know, Southampton, it's not like they, they leak goals. They just, I think quite a few... not very good. Yeah, but I think quite a few decisions have actually gone against them this season. Obviously, Charlie <laughs> Austin's a <laughs> part... Profit yeah. Austin. Part life. Exactly. Stone Cold Charlie Austin. He... It's a, it's a weird game because Southampton sort of uh, always had this identity, a bit like Swansea did, and then the last couple of years you can only sell your best player for so long and they've sort of lost that identity now, obviously had the cup run last season, but apart from that, nothing. And yes, yeah, it's an absolutely huge game and yeah, it's, it's, I'm not, it's not to say I'm not looking forward to it, but you know, England's a bit more calm and more relaxing. at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Guy, what are your you know, first thoughts, I suppose, on Saints? Huge game. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I kind of just take a point, to be honest. Oh, mate. <laughs> we got a new manager bounce. Yeah, you can't be saying that. I, I just want to get another point on the board. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it has got to that stage. But, yeah, no, as Dom said, it would be good to kill off uh, Mark Hughes' Southampton career. And obviously, our six points so far, as you said, have been away from home. It's a good thing this one isn't away from home because, you know, we are the record breakers in terms of if you have a streak to break they haven't won at home since like April or something and Mark Hughes won like five at his last 50 games or something out stupid so you know like if it's away from home we definitely lose but since we're at home I reckon we're a nice nil-nil draw I'm going to predict that straight away take a clean sheet would you actually take a nil-nil draw? no but I think as I said I think I said I said it quite. It's the perfect time, or the last perfect time, you can sack a manager. Yeah. Because obviously, the last international break, the next one's in March. You have what we have five, six home games for Christmas against all teams, pretty much in the lower echelons of the table, apart from possibly Leicester and Wolves. So I think yeah, it was vital to get a new manager bounce into Christmas and New Year. It also gives Ranieri six weeks to analyse his squad: who's good, who's absolute toilet, and who how can we improve it in the January transfer window? Because I'm sure Tony Khan will give him some funds. What do you expect to see from Ranieri, guy? You know, obviously he. He's going to come in. He's had to make some changes. He won't have seen everyone to their full potential yet. You know, the likes of Mitrovic, Johansson, ETC will have been away on their international duties and won't get back till today, tomorrow. So, you know, he's he's going to have to make some quick decisions about who plays on Saturday. Yeah, um, 
a lot's been made of the fact that Ranieri often plays four four two, um, but I'd expect to see him start with four five one and kind of that more like mould like, as we get there. And as Dom says, he learns what the players are like and adjusts to the formation he likes. But you know, he said a lot himself. He's made a lot of noise about. You. I'm an Italian manager. We have defence first. We defend with all eleven players. At, um, and so yeah, I expect to see a much more defensive performance and. I don't know, probably something similar to even back in Roy Hodgson days in the Premier League, like that two banks of four. Um, obviously, it's anybody's guess what those banks of four are because, as you said, we ha- he hasn't had much time with the players. Um, I don't know if Joe Bryan's back. He might he might he's be... Look, he's definitely back yeah, in training, full he, training. He might so. be kicking the ball around, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see if he comes in. Um, but I expect there'll be some players who we never see in a Fulham shirt again, the likes of AK-47. I don't think he'll ever play for Ranieri <laughs> I, the only thing I would say is that Ranieri has got a bit of a penchant for players who try really hard and aren't very good and AK-47 does try really hard I, I don't <laughs> like him as much and I hope he doesn't play again for us because I really dislike the man but like well not the man the player <laughs> um, but but I think that you know there are you know Slav's seen something in him and Slav's a far more Technical, if you will, a player who a coach who looks for the technicalities in players more than Manieri might, for us, for example. So, I don't think we should write anyone off. What I would like to see, and but what I'm interested to see, perhaps more, Dom, is do we see the likes of Niskan's Cabano, Floyd Ayite, given you know a chance to make their statements back into this squad? Even you know, dare I say it, Ibrahima Cisse. Well, I think you'll see. You talk about four four two, and obviously, I think what Ranieri seems to do. I know he's known as a tinker man, but he, when he first goes into a club, he picks a system that suits the players he's got. And you're not going to get a four four two because I can't. There's no. We don't have really many players in our system or in our squad who can work into a four four two system. He played a four two three one at Nantes. Exactly, so and, and if, if we think about it, obviously we played him when he was manager of Roma in yeah. the Europa League, and I think he he, he likes to just fit us the players in or the assistant that suits his players, which Slav never really did for us. And I think. It's going to be interesting. I mean, for me, I think he's going to keep it more, yeah, four five one or four three three. Because if you look at four four two, right, we don't have a, a Kante and a drink water in there. You could, like, I wouldn't even say Seri is a drink water type player. Then you see wingers. The only proper wing you can argue we have is maybe Sassignon, who plays on the right hand side. If you're playing four four two, where does Kearney fit into that situation? Yeah. So, I, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see what sort of system he deploys. Because from what we saw in the Slav, I know they're totally different managers, and he's going to start from the back and not the attack like Slav did, like. Is the four-two-three-one going to work? Can Seri and Kearney play in the same system? These things that is all Renio needs to work out. I mean, defensively against Liverpool, we looked. I wouldn't say we looked fine because they were coming out as quite a lot, but we, it wasn't as worrying. Rico played very, very well. So I think it's going to. I think that from I would stick with majority of the team we played against Liverpool, but again, it's Ranieri. Ranieri has different ideas, and thankfully, it's a manager who's going to adapt his team to who we're playing and not try to play the same system. And hopefully, it works. Interestingly, in that game against Liverpool, that's the lowest almost the lowest ever, I think, possession-wise since Slav took charge at Fulham, or at least since Slav implemented his system at Fulham. Do you think we'll see more of that now, you know, kind of just being able to sit back, soak up pressure? And, you know, it did work in some ways defensively because we were able to absorb quite a lot of that pressure. Yes, we got let off a couple of times from from bad misses and stuff, but it was Liverpool, you know, they, they are good. And in that system where we sat back and looked to spring a little bit more, it, there was kind of... It's not really the Slavisa way. That's almost more of a Ranieri system before he'd even arrived. Yeah, I mean Ranieri, he's a weird one for because he's, although he's obviously from from Rome and stuff, he's probably the least Rome type manager there is out there. And see when he when he moved, he got his dream moved to Rome. But I think if you're comparing to any similar situation where he's done this before, it's probably his time at Parma. 
Yes, I think that's exactly. the m- m- biggest comparison you can make. Leicester's obviously a totally different story. Start of the season, they're, they're obviously they were on the up because obviously they did that gr- great escape under Nigel Pearson. Seven Pierce. in nine, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Un- under Nigel nine. Pearson. So I think if you look at what he did at Palmer, you can compare. I know it was a long time ago, but uh, yes, the time he, he's done it before. And I think you know you always get that bounce when Ranieri comes in. You've seen it at every club he's gone yeah. to, and then they sort of peter off towards the end. But we all we need is that bounce. For Indeed. Now. Finally, let me just get your predictions. I suppose I know it's hard to call. I know it's difficult to to assess what Ranieri is going to do. I, I did a, a preview for uh, Southampton pod early and I was like, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen. So <laughs> I can't really tell you what's going to, uh, who's going to be playing, what system we're going to be in, if we're going to be any good. But if I can push you for a prediction, Guy? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I expect us to keep it tight. Um, and I think what Ranieri will, will be looking for is a clean sheet. Um, and so I, I wouldn't be shocked if it was 0-0. Dom? Uh, I want, if I'm... I'm, I'm quite positive usually going to home games I know we haven't won a game since Burnley but I'm quite positive I, I'm just, yeah I'm hoping for just 1-0 to be honest good well <laughs> just before we get a view from the opposition camp just a quick note to say that Fulhamish is backed this season by Labbrooks and for exclusive specials and promotions you can go to bet.fulhamish.co.uk and we got a view this week from the ugly inside who are a Southampton fanzine and Sammy, before he left on his worldwide expedition, spoke to Freddie, and he started off by asking him just how much importance Saints fans are putting on this Saturday's fixture. Well, yeah, like you say, like, like it is on our side, it's a massive six-pointer relegation um, clash. You know, it's depressing to say that sort of, I guess, a quarter of the way through the season, we, we could say. But, yeah, I think so far this season, uh, Mark Hughes has been massively underwhelming. Um, you know, it's been boring to watch. And I think what he's been doing is setting up, trying not to lose. And we've lost our identity over the last two years. And, and Mark Hughes hasn't really inspired um, to sort of reclaim that. And he hasn't really inspired some of the players and definitely not inspiring so much of the fan base either. Where has it gone wrong for Southampton so far this season? Uh, you've really been struggling to score goals. That's kind of obvious, but you've not exactly been keeping it that tight at the back either. No, so I think... it. The way that I see it, we've we've suddenly taken our our reliability or reliance, should I say, from one striker last season with Charlie Austin to score us goals to this season in Danny Ings. You know, he's he hit the ground running. Um, you know, signed on transfer deadline day, and he loves playing for the club. But you know, like you say, some of the strikers have gone off the board at the moment. And and before the Man City game, um, we failed to score. What was it six games? And actually, in that time, Wesley, who our defender, scored two own goals. He actually scored more against us than actually we scored for ourselves. So, you know, it's it's a bit of a calamity at the moment. I think it's just trying to find the confidence to reinstall that back into our strikers. Um, uh, I'm sure we'll get to it as well about refereeing decisions. But last weekend, Charlie Austin should have been credited a goal, his first goal of the season. Yeah, well, I mean, let's come on to that now. Obviously, Fulham felt so aggrieved against Liverpool from a refereeing decision. And these decisions cost managers is their jobs arguably you know let's say we won at Anfield that could have saved Slavisa Jukanovic his job now whether we would have actually gone on to win at Anfield even if we did get ourselves 1-0 into the lead is debatable but Charlie Austin has a real point these games matter so much and for it to you know be relying on referees and for them not to have the help when it's available is is kind of ludicrous yeah, I, can't, I cannot believe, I just I cannot understand why the Premier League have taken so long to even just consider video assistant referees. You know, almost every other leading uh, league in the, in Europe, you know, La Liga, uh, I think the, are the only league that don't have VIR at the moment. Correct me if I'm wrong, but certainly Italy, Germany, France, they, they've all got it and they're all relying on um, 
you know, the decision to be reversed. And also goes to prove that, um, you know, the, the British referees, the English referees in our league are certainly not to standard. That's the reason why none of them were in the World Cup earlier this summer, you know, but decisions like that can cost us three points. And we can even look back as last season, again against Watford, Decore's handball absolutely snatched away three points from us. And had we had three points that day, well, that would have left us a little bit more clearer of allegations. So, you know, I hate to uh, do what Mark Hughes do, is pointing the blame at everything else but himself. But it is, it, you know, what, what, what can we say as fans? We love uh, uh, something to blame. Uh, let's come on to Mark Hughes, a man very much under pressure. It was kind of between him and Jukanovic as to which manager was going to go first this season. Uh, obviously, he's a former Fulham man. He's not that popular at Craven Cottage for the way he left and said that we lacked ambition. Maybe in hindsight, Mark Hughes had kind of a point, but that's by the by. What do Saints fans uh, think of, of Mark Hughes? He did save you last season. Yeah, he gave us a feel good factor, but that's well and truly rubbed off at the moment. Um, you know, the, the statistics don't lie. And I think it's, well, since he's been here, he's only won three games. So the Bournemouth game, the once Swansea game and Crystal Palace earlier uh, this season. That's three games in the Premier League. You know, we're discounting um, the cup games against, uh, uh, what's it, it will be Everton on penalties, but... You know, it's been it's been massively disappointing so far. We want some inspiration, and you know, it also um, it goes to show that perhaps he wasn't always pulling the strings. We've seen Les Reed recently given the boot, the director of football or well, technical director as well, following him out the door. So you know, he complained about uh, transfers that he didn't have enough input, and you know, Mark Hughes is is yeah, like I said, top of the show is is hardly inspirational, and we want something to enjoy football again. Uh, do you feel it's a bit typical that Southampton are going to be the first team that uh, has a potential new manager bounce uh, impacting them against them? What do you think the impact could be of the fact it's Claudio Ranieri's first game in charge at Craven Cottage? You must just be wishing that you'd been able to face Fulham a few weeks ago when the likes of Huddersfield and the likes of Cardiff beat us. I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion that there's going to be a new manager bounce, but you must be thinking, ah, oh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um... You know, before it was announced Ranieri was the new manager, we thought, yeah, we'll go up to Fulham, we've got a chance of actually winning a game of football again. And away from home, our fan base actually kind of enjoys it. You know, we're, we're, we're together, but the atmosphere at home is, is a little bit toxic at times and it's dead, it's flat, you know, it's, it's terrible. And one home win in almost a calendar year. But, you know, I'll be interested to know if there's a statistic how many times um, our opposition team has changed their manager before we're due to play them. I think last season, Roy Hodgson was uh, was in charge for his first game for Crystal Palace, but we beat them on the, on his first day. So, you know, we go we go to Fulham with a bit of fear for the new manager bounce, but who knows? You know, it, it could always backfire. But away from home, I think uh, some of our pressure is certainly off the shoulders of our players. Um, has it been a tough few years to be a Saints fan? When you got into the Premier League, you had two promotions on the bounce. It was so exciting. I remember we faced you as you just had got to the Premier League and we were very much on our way out of the Premier League, it feels like you've been treading water for several years. Almost reminds me of the situation Aston Villa found themselves where for a few seasons they avoided going down by just not being one of the three worst teams but not being that great themselves. And do you, do you feel like you can't just keep treading water like this eventually, even if it's not this season, it just will come back to bite you? 
Well, that's what we relied on at the end of last season, relying there to be three worst teams. And we just about got away with it by the skin of our teeth. We're clinging on by our fingernails. And, and this season, I think it's very much the same as well. But, you know, it's got closer over the past few weeks. We, nobody saw Cardiff winning back-to-back games. Huddersfield, you always think they've got some fighting spirit. And Fulham, you know, uh, I guess we expect them to, to, to come good because of the money you spent in the summer, the, the talent that you've got in, in your squad as well. Your new cast you know before we played them they hadn't won uh, but it's disappointing games um, so far this season you know we're drawing games at home uh, throwing away leads so it just cannot continue and to, to, to add to that as well I mean it's only so only so long you can get away with um, uh, you know people stripping away your best assets and replacing them inadequately you know so we've seen Virgil van Dijk leave us Mane, Lallana, Schneiderlin, Lambert, Shaw I can go on it's an entire team of 18, 21, you know, and it's only so long we, it's only so long you can get away with it with inadequate replacements. And that, and ultimately I think that's what's happened. And and Les Reed, you know, gave him credit. Uh, he helped us through the promotions, but over the last few years it's gone sour and he hasn't really replaced them uh the, the talent properly. Um what are the danger men though uh for Fulham fans to look out for on Saturday in this Saints team? I know we mentioned uh the attack and how really Danny Ings is the main man if you are to really have any goal scoring threat but who makes this Southampton team tick in the middle? Uh, so in the middle you've got to look at Pierre Mouhoyberg plays with his heart on his sleeve and everybody online uh, wants him to be captain and there could be a fair shot for him to actually wear the armband at the weekend because Ryan Bertrand will be suspended um, Danny Ings Target. is also a doubt yeah so Matty Target will most certainly uh, fill in that on the left back because Sam McQueen's away at Middlesbrough currently injured as well so Ryan Burchin's suspended Matty Target. Apparently, I heard he was given the green light to leave on transfer deadline day with hours to go. So that goes to show about sort of what's going on backstage. But I want to see Matty Target return to the team. He's a good player. I really like him. You know, you guys sort of endeared to him last season, helped you get promoted. But midfield, you've got to look at Pierre Mouhoyberg. And alongside Mario Lamina, on his day, he, he can be brilliant. But sometimes he just doesn't look interested. OK, well, uh, what do you expect from this Fulham team? Uh, Obviously, uh, we spent a lot of money. They're not performing at the level they should be, some of our players. But there must be a few that you've seen on Match of the Day or whatever that you are a little bit wary of. How do you see this game going? So I think it's going to be um, a tight affair, you know. Um, I think it'd be a case that neither team want to lose this one. And I think they understand the pressure in this situation. And, and should either team get three points, it could also be a catalyst. You know, we've got a, a, a tough set of fixtures coming up in, de, in December. Full of, you know, we've got Man United, full of, um, followed by, you know, Arsenal at home. But in between that, we've also got two away games at Cardiff and Huddersfield. So we must win those games too. Um, I think it'd be a tight affair. But as for Fulham, I think Mitrovic will cause all sorts of trouble. Um, you know, our defenders look really uh, weak at the back sometimes, you know, being pushed off the ball far too easily. And if Mitrovic is a bully... You know, you could introduce him and he could cause all sorts of trouble. So, yeah, d- defence doesn't look too strong at the moment, mate. Uh, what's your prediction for the game then, Freddie? I would love to say a comfortable Saints win. Um, but since you have uh, installed uh, Claudio Ranieri, I think it'd be an anti-climax 
at one one draw. So Fulhamish has teamed up with One Football, the only football app that you need this season. Uh, you can get it on both the App Store and on Google Play. Using personalised news feeds, push notifications and a user-friendly interface, OneFootball makes it easy to keep up to date with the latest transfer news, scores and stats in one central place. Check out the OneFootball app and let us know what you think of it. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. I'm here with Dom Betts. Hello, hello. And Guy Barlow. Hello. Dom, you've done some digging of your own recently and you've had an interview. Would you like to tell the listeners exactly who you've been speaking to? Uh, yeah, we spoke to former goalkeeper Mark Schwartz. Obviously, he's very outspoken about Slavisa after the Liverpool game. After we lost, he thought Slav should go and that's what happened. So, yeah, it was me, man like Jack Kelly on the fan cams. And, and Kelly. Yeah, and Cam Ramsey, who does the Five Thoughts post games. We asked him on the Love Sport radio show why he thought Slav should have been sacked. I thought that Fulham, in terms of the owner, the hierarchy, must have been seriously considering making a change. Even before the Liverpool game, I think Mr Khan came out and said that, you know, they'd been talking to a number of people the week leading up to the actual appointment. And it's only normal, I think, after 11 games and then the Liverpool game, 12 games, that when things are not going well at all, like at Fulham, it's, it's only normal that clubs start to look at ways of trying to rectify it. And unfortunately... For Slavisi Jukanovic, this season just hasn't lived up to anything close to what he's been able to produce in the, over the previous three years, where he did an outstanding job. Some fans at certain clubs, when a manager is sacked and is replaced immediately, are, are unhappy to know that the club's board were going behind a manager's back who was still employed by the club and actively seeking a new one. Do you think that's the wrong way to go about things? Is it the right way? Is it the wrong way? If you're a, in any position, whether you're a football club or whether you're in an everyday walk of life, if you're looking to replace somebody or even thinking about replacing somebody, generally you're doing it with someone else in mind who's going to come in and replace them. So I think it would be bad business if they didn't. It's just the nature of the game as well. Emotions get involved, which is understandable. It's never nice to see anyone lose their job. But as we know in football, it is a cutthroat industry. Like uh, Claudio Regnieri said there, when things go bad, there's always a change. And unfortunately for Fulham, with the investment they made, the very poor start that they've had, inevitably there's going to be changes. The summer you came in was obviously just as Roy Hodgson saved us from relegation. It's sort of taken over around, I think it was a bit later, I think that he came in around December time, because if I remember correctly, I was on some sort of Christmas holiday at the time, but do you think Ranieri can have a similar effect and isn't just going to keep us up the season, he can build on something, and obviously I would say they're quite similar managerially, kind of, just because they're all about building from the back and then going from there. Do you think that Ranieri can have a similar effect than Roy Hodgson did? Well, from my experience from both of them, they're very different. I have to say, Roy was hands-on every day and drilling the team. And eventually what happened was it became second nature in the way that you played, the system you played. And even when players weren't particularly playing well, you were playing still well enough as a team because everyone knew their job. Everyone knew their responsibilities. With Claudio, when the 12 months I spent with him at Leicester, uh, he came in a period where the team was settled. It was very settled. It was off the back of staying up in the Premier League, nine games, seven wins, one draw and one loss. He identified, and what he did do, I have to give him credit, was he identified that he didn't have to make many changes. He didn't have to tinker with it, as he's famously known for. And, you know, he brought in Danny Drinkwater, who was out of the side, which I'll add, end of that season when we stayed up. And then also the most important change of all, arguably, was bringing in Angola Kante, which made an enormous difference. The problem which then Claudio Ranieri had was when he started to actually change things the following season. That's where he had a problem. So I think it's arguably one of his biggest jobs today to try and come in there and find a system, find the best 11 players that he wants to play and build from it and make them 
difficult to beat. Common knowledge that when he got the job, Leicester fans were kind of bemused. And as you mentioned, he just tweaked little things and we ended up creating a miracle and something that will probably never be achieved again. Now you look at Fulham, it's probably a slightly different scenario in terms of the players they've got and, and where it's gone wrong. And then if you look at Claudio's career, he's been at a lot of clubs, a lot of big clubs and some other clubs and not been as successful in some as others. Looking at the situation Fulham are in right now, do you think he's the right man for it? There's no doubting his experience. There's no doubting he knows the Premier League. The question is, is he able to turn things around? Is he able to find an 11, the right 11? Is he able to make them very, very difficult to beat? And not only difficult to beat, but also win games. You know, they're going to have to start winning games, as we know. You need points on the table to stay in the Premier League. That's the big challenge. And like I said, you know, if you look at when he was at Nonsense last season, he took over a team again where there was a bit of a trying to find a new identity, trying to rebuild. And he found it very difficult. Prior to coming to Leicester, he had similar jobs. He had one with Greece where things yeah. didn't go well. And like I say, I think the Leicester job and the Fulham job are two very, very different circumstances, two very different jobs. And there's no taking away from what was accomplished at Leicester. I mean, it was remarkable. And it will go down as one of the greatest sporting seats, upsets, whatever you want to call it, possibly for the next hundred years. Who knows? Arguably, this is one of his biggest tests in his coaching career because he's come there with such a reputation, a likable character, someone that won the league against all the odds to a club now and a side where individually they're lost in confidence, they've lost their identity, they don't know how they're going to play. And Claudio Ranieri's biggest job is to find their identity again and give them confidence, find a system that suits the players that he has there at the club. That's a huge job. Many people who've come on Love Sport Radio this week have sort of mentioned that obviously it isn't entirely Slav's fault and he, there seem to be players not pulling their weight, predominantly a lot of the new signings. And Do you think the manager just has to just end up taking the blame for these sort of things or do you think the players do have to sort of look at themselves and realise they weren't pulling their weight completely for the manager? I think on both cases, you know, absolutely. Both parties are responsible, fully responsible. The only difference is that at this time of the season, you can't go out and uh, bring in new recruitments. You can't change anything in that regard. The only thing you can change is the manager, unfortunately. And that's where, for Jukanovic, obviously, he's the first person to go. So the players have to take a lot of responsibility because, like you said, players didn't live up to expectation. They haven't performed. But then you could also argue as a player and turn around, and I would very much say it's a valid argument, is that there are so many of those players that very rarely got an opportunity to just kind of have a run in the team. And you were never sure whether you were going to keep your position or not. You know, the slightest mistake, and maybe you weren't directly involved in a mistake, you could still lose your position. The biggest sign is he's played three goalkeepers in 12 games. That is a huge concern, you know, when you talk about do you know your best 11? Are you just trying to paper over the cracks? Are you trying to address the real issue? The real issue was first and foremost that first game of the season where he gave six players they to do. I've always said as a player, whenever you've gone to a side that's newly promoted, it's one of the most difficult games to play in the first game of the season, second game of the season, because of the momentum, because of the confidence that that team has, those players have. Fulham, I was at the game. They looked like a side that were just put together last minute. And then you look at the other players that came back in the side, those guys that were involved heavily in the club being promoted, they looked like they were down on confidence. They were disappointed, hugely disappointed. And they came into a team where their surrounding teammates were down on confidence. Claudio touched on the fact that he wanted to make Fulham a lot more of a uh, solidified unit at the back, especially as we know we've shipped 31 goals this season to date, which is deplorable in so many senses. And it's also the fact that yourself being a keeper for us, which safeguarded us towards Europa League final, such a sight for all of us fans to behold. 
in respects to the defence we've got at hand today, who would you like to see fielded against Southampton and who would actually fill you with the confidence being a goalkeeper sat behind them? Putting me on the spot there, <laughs> yeah. aren't you? Yes. Uh, I've actually liked what I've seen so far at La Marchand. Again, the problem he's had is, and it's been unfortunate, it's not been his doing, is that he's been played in various positions pretty much nearly every game so far this season. Uh, inevitably, always in the back line, was in defence. However, he's also got new teammates next to him, and this is a new player that's just arrived. But I've liked what I've seen in parts of him, you know. Callum Chambers, I thought, did a pretty good job, actually, in, in the holding sort of midfield role yeah. over at Anfield. But do you push him back? Alfie Mawson is another player that came to the club injured, struggled for fitness, struggled for confidence, came into a side that was struggling. New surroundings, even though he knows the Premier League, but he is still relatively new in terms of game time. So I would still be looking to bring in those sort of players. So Alfie Mawson, Callum Chambers, who have that Premier League experience, albeit not regularly and not normally. Alfie obviously is used to playing in the bottom section of the table, but Callum Chambers isn't. But, you know, I think you need to go with players that can communicate, can talk. I think Rico actually has played really well. But the problem I saw, and you don't know everything that goes on on the pitch because you can't hear everything. He just looks like he's not communicating. And what they need is they need communicators. They need players do that first and foremost their job, but also communicate and help others out. And I'm not seeing that at the moment. That's why I'm saying players like Alfie Morse and Marcus Bettinelli, I think, has to come back in goal. There's no reason for him to have lost his position. Like I'll go back and say... Rico has done well. It's just unfortunate, I think, the fact that the team is so underperforming, nobody's communicating really, and that's a prime example of that, that second goal against Liverpool. What was Claudio Ranieri like in the dressing room at Leicester, and do you think he'll be able to steer us towards survival? He was very animated at times, but also calm, if that makes any sense at all. And again, go back to what I said before, is that he just really oversaw a lot. He had Craig Shakespeare, who was there for the season before, so he played a big part. He took a lot of the day-to-day sessions as well, continued along the same vein as you know, how we trained the previous season under Nigel Pearson. And Claudio just tweaked bits and pieces on the training field. You know, He's somebody that relieved a lot of the pressure in terms of he was the one that always said, OK, all that it's about is 40 points and let's get to the 40 points barrier. And once we do that, then we can look beyond that. And the sooner we do it, it's the same old scenario. I mean, when I was at Fulham, we did the same thing. We looked at the 40-point barrier, that was our starting point at the beginning of the season. The sooner you got there, the more chance you had of getting further up the table. So for Claudio, you know, it's about being even more hands-on than he was at Fulham because, you know, he's not going to have necessarily the coaching staff around him that have got any experience at the club. I'm not quite sure if Scott Parker's stayed or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's, there. One, he's one, one of the only ones who has, I think. So Scotty Parker obviously knows the dressing room, knows the environment, knows the individuals as best as he can, even though we're, you know, we're 12 games in. There's a lot of new players, but... I think he's going to be invaluable to Claudio Ranieri moving forward. When you joined the club, obviously we just escaped relegation. How did the move sort of come about in the first place? Mike Kelly, goalkeeping coach, stroke assistant manager. I worked with him at Middlesbrough. He was instrumental in me signing for Middlesbrough back in 96. He was a goalkeeping coach for uh, under Brian Robson. And I didn't have a lot of contact with him from the time that he left Middlesbrough to when I joined Fulham. It was just that whenever I saw it, we always spoke and talked football and everything else and my contract was running out at the end of the season and Fulham had a huge task of trying to stay in the league and he just said let's stay in contact let's see how where we go and obviously our priority is to stay in the league and if we stay in the league then I'd love to chat to you so that's kind of how it began and you know uh, then once I spoke to Roy and heard the vision and heard these ideas and knew that Mohamed Al-Fayed was 100% behind the coaching staff and wanted the team to be built upon and become a side that were 
always afraid of the relegation, you know, a side that was going to fight for being mid-table and above. And who knows what could happen? And I always say, put a kind of a band of misfits together and turn <laughs> us into a, a pretty decent unit of players. Huh? And one last question before we let you go, Mark. Are Fulham going to be OK this season? Well, listen, you know, 26 games to go. Fresh start, new manager. Hopefully he's able to come in there and ruffle some feathers and really put a lot of hard work on the training field. And that's the only way I can see them staying up. Huge, huge challenge for Claudio Ranieri. There's no doubt whatsoever. There are some talented players there. And it comes down to personalities as well in that change room. I don't know the change room so well. And it comes down to the manager, his experience, his influence, the system that he's going to employ, being able to communicate that well enough with his players and the players being on board and the players committing and improving dramatically their ability, their performances so far. They're capable, but there are a lot of ifs and buts at the moment. So the jury's still out. That's all I can say at the moment. Well, you can catch Dom and the lads on that radio show every Wednesday from 8.30 to 10 on Love Sport. Dom, tell them where they can find it. On 5.58am or DAB in London and the surrounding areas or anywhere in the world on lovesportradio.com. Just hit the listen live button on the website. There you are. There is a man who knows his things. Well, I think that's pretty much it for this Fulhamish Extra. We go into the game against the Saints. Maybe not hopeful, but optimistic, I suppose. Guy, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you, Dom, for coming on. It's all right. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Fulhamish Extra. See you later. Bye.